This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 15, Episode 10. This is your host, Ian. This is Jeff. And this is Theo. What is wrong? What was that for? Why did you sit down? Jeff uh, likes to do a lugubrious introduction. Uh, are you talking about Thanos? Talking to you. Oh, I'm fine. I got my fan out. I was feeling, feeling luxurious. My wood fan. I also dyed my hair, so now I have gray hair because I dyed it gray. Gray or silver? Silver, gray, blue, purple. It was called Star by Manic Panic. The fact that it's not purple is astounding. It's a little purple. And if I hate it, if I hate it for two, if I if I hate it in a few days, because I don't love it. If I hate it in a few days, I will dye it purple again. Because I always have purple in the house. Because you never know when you're gonna need purple hair. You don't. Steph and purple. <laughs> Steph and purple go together like Batman and Batgirl. No, hold on. That was a terrible Oh, thing. geez. That's no. That's not what I meant. No, that is not what peanut I meant. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut, peanut butter, butter and jelly. And I was trying yeah. to say something batty. And it you're, you're about to get, you're about to get just. It goes together like Spoiler and Tim Drake. Yeah. Except that. <sighs> Or Stephanie, me, and my hubby. Well, yes, one would hope. Anyway, if you join the Discord, I'll post a picture of my gray hair. <laughs> yeah. You be um, people. We're listening. So, there's uh, not really much news. Uh, Night Terrors Part 2, the solicitations for August posted. There's no real announcements at all about Batman stuff. Uh, the closest we come is the Nortz Illustrated Swimsuit Covers issue, which is funny, but I've already bought the swimsuit covers I want, and so I don't need them again. I am I am really just not feeling night terrors. I just... Yeah? I mean, I'm, tell me I'm wrong to feel this way, but I'm just... No, you don't. <sighs> You're not. There's an audience for it. We're not the audience for it. 
we well, at least apparently Theo and I have I don't know how you feel, Ian, but just no, I don't care. I mean, I'm not a horror guy, so the heavy emphasis on horror doesn't make me excited. But there's a lot of people that are, and kudos to them. Yes. This is for them. That's true. Um, I am, Did I have to plan my vacation while the last one came out? It's possible. <laughs> I am getting the, the dust and wind covers, and that's about it. But even I, like, I think some of the miniseries sound really fun, but that's mostly because I like the creative teams. When I did my solicitations video with a buddy, he said, and I think this is right, that DC is using this as an opportunity to test out a bunch of writers and artists that they've sort of been looking at and they want to see if they want to work with further. So depend, depending on how things do, they may or may not end up being people we should pay attention to in the future. But I think the big thing about Night Terrors is it's so clearly uh, an opportunity for DC just to try and get all of its titles together because they've been so scattered for so long. Yep. Ever since has been gone. Maybe it's a sacrifice worth making. I mean, I think... Remember, DDO was fired, and then they did Infinite Frontier. And Infinite Frontier was really together. It's just that since Infinite Frontier, they lost James Tynan... They lost a lot of other writers, and so they're trying to figure out who's leading the ship, but who's in charge. And so it's I think Jim Lee. Good luck with that. Jim Lee doesn't do anything. He got. He, they're obviously paying him to. They're paying him a lot, but what does he do? He's not. He's maybe drawing like six covers a year. And do any does anyone really care about those covers? Nope. No. I don't know. I actually I've been feeling like Dawn of DC has been slowly building in enjoyment and anticipation. I think people are starting to get on board with it as a fandom. But I think Night Terrors is I think everyone knows what it is. I think everyone knows it's just a two-month gap so DC can get together and we're just going to go with it and come out on the other side. And the thing is, when we get the September solicitations next month, we'll finally have an idea of kind of what actually is going to be happening. Um, but everything is kind of wrapping up. Like, there's a bunch of titles ending and there's a bunch of titles um, like ending an arc. So it just feels like we don't know what's on the other side of Night Terrors and that, I feel like, Kind of kills a lot of anticipation. Your Batman Catwoman crossover. Ugh. If that I'm happens so... in Night Terrors, I'm going to cry. No, 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 no. That's going to be what Batman, the Batman and Catwoman titles are doing after Night Terrors. Okay. Will I'm not, I'm excited because I like Zdarsky. I'm not excited because I hate what T.D. Howard is doing. Yeah, it's pretty poo poo. I will take your word for it. I do not need to read it to find I out. Don't. Really I, I read I read the I, I did admit I will admit to have read the issue where she killed Valmont, say Bruce, and how she goes off on Bruce afterwards. And I said a whole bunch of stuff that I can't say on this episode because we are a family friendly. You can say you just make more work for me later. I mean, that issue was real stupid, really, really stupid. And now, and now she's doing the same thing to Holly. <laughs> I can't believe they're 
Okay. That is a greater Gotham conversation. We're not even going to have it because we're not reading Harley. We've so dropped we Harley. Well yeah. What was that? I mean, we, I think we might as well have it now then since we're <laughs> not reading Harley. I mean, I don't really have anything new to say other than that. I think Teeny Howard is probably a very fun person to hang out with. So editors like to talk to her. And she clearly gets her stuff in on time. I don't think Catwoman or Harley Quinn or any of her other books have been late, which other books have been. Um, and those things really count for a lot. I think people don't understand. Comic editors don't really care if a book is that good or not. Um, they care if they can get the book out on time and if the, the creator is a jerk. So... I think Teeny Howard is not a jerk, and she gets her stuff in on time, and I think those things are why they keep giving her more books. I think, unfortunately, the books she turns in are garbage. Well, at least uh, you only got a few more issues with Fitzsimmons, and then you only have one, one writer that I hate. That's true. All right. Let us... All right, let's get started with our first review. Well, our only review, which is Detective Comics number 1072. <laughs> Uh, our main story is written by Ram V, and art is by Ivan Ries and Stefano Raphael. Gotham Nocturne Act 2, The Fall. In the present, Prince Arzen is wearing a golden mask, beats Batman brutally, and tells him that Batman is about to fall. Earlier, the Orgum Palace Grand Opening celebration lights up the sky with fireworks as Nightwing and Cassandra Kane Batgirl patrol above and below, Oracle connecting them all, and Batman makes his way to the heart of the reality engine machine. Nightwing faces a man who transforms into an asthma demon and flees. Cass takes out several guards, but finds the cage she scouted earlier empty, all the prisoners having been attached to the asthma demons already. Jim Gordon tries to persuade Commissioner Montoya that something is wrong with the Orgums, but she rejects him and denigrates his partnership with Batman. Jim leaves sadly, reminding Renee to ask the right questions. Batman beats down the werewolf and fleshcrafter guards. Ugh, sorry, I need to start over. That's disgusting. Batman beats down the werewolf and fleshcrafter guards with silver and blood thinners, then passes by the creepy eye lady who warns him of his sacrifice to come. As Nightwing battles the asthma, Prince Arzen attacks Batman and says he must choose to let the explosives kill the celebrating people or let the reality engine bend history to the Orgum's will. On the ground, Montoya's police see the top of Orgum Tower explode. That so, was helpful because I don't think I really understood what was happening when I was reading. Well, that was after reading it twice. <laughs> I, I seriously thought Bruce pulling the lever was him destroying the, the tower. Well, I don't think it's clear it's what not clear. actually happens. Because they just go back and forth everywhere, jumping back and forth between yeah. this scene and that scene and this scene and that and scene. The past and the future and the present. Right. So, so you've got your past, you've got your present, you've got uh, on the ground, you've got the Bat family with three different layers of Bat family. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. But so this is part one of Act Two. I but am happy you clarify that for me because I wasn't sure if that was the case. Yes, it is part one of Act Two. 
Uh, we just finished Act 1. But the thing is, it's so weird because we pick up literally just after the last issue, right? Mm-hmm. So does this... So, so let's have some pros and cons. Like, how does this feel on a negative in terms of the start of a new arc? And how does this feel like what are things that seem like positive or reasonable parts of being the start of a new arc? Well, I mean, just right off the bat, the there was two things that had my interest in the first arc, which were, or I guess one of them was the prelude, was Two-Face and his struggle. And shoes or whatever she's calling herself now cheshire 2 cheshire cat 2.0 and grundy and they were on the cover and i was so excited and they're not in the issue ah! so that was Why cool. this, is, this is this is typical dc how often but do still, they do that like to trick me the only thing i was looking forward to in this story wasn't in the story i don't know I don't know how to answer your question because I just don't understand how the story is structured because the epilogue was, oh, not epilogue, the prelogue, the prologue was so freaking long and slow. And then the last issue had Batman completely flip-flopping his strategy. I just, I still haven't done my sit-down read-through. And the more issues we get, the less excited I am about a sit-down read-through, which is why I keep procrastinating on it. This doesn't feel like an act two, but it does. I don't know. Actually, I have to. I have to take that back. Actually, last issue was the start of act two, which is even more confusing. It is even more confusing because that's when he did the flip flop. And so it's. uh, Yeah. So this is technically part two of act two, but it has a completely different. Yeah, I've, I've lost my ability to understand how Ram V is structuring this. And other than everything going to crap, I don't see what's happened. I mean, the only thing that really happened, quote unquote, is that now the hand is on the button of the machine. As before, they just didn't know where the machine was. Yeah. So here's here's a question. This is what makes me this is what originally made me think this was actually part one of act two is that. Nothing really happens in this issue. Mm-hmm. Batman walks through a tunnel, fights a bunch of guards, and then he gets beat up by Prince Arzen. He doesn't accomplish anything. And that feels sort of like a first issue of an arc, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, literally nothing else is accomplished in this issue. Unless you count the blowing up of the tower, but we don't know why or how or who blew up the tower. Or, to be honest, when? Because the story flip-flops around so much. Maybe that was last week. <laughs> Also true. Also true. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to to try and figure out. So if this is the second issue of part two, we can still reasonably say that we're setting things up. But the fact that it doesn't move forward in time at all makes it feel like we're still sort of turning our legs in mud of not moving forward in an event. And I don't care about the event. I think that's the other thing. There's nothing in here that's drawing me in. Like, now we're even, I mean, not to spoil the future in 20 minutes, but the backup is giving us a more human, maybe, look at Arzen. At least we get to see him as a child, or prince, whatever his name is. Um, 
I don't care. He's not empathizable. Is that the word? <laughs> I don't like him. I... I mean, I will say it is fun to see uh, Cass and Dick yes. uh, and Oracle supporting. And that's cool. The problem is none of them do anything. Cass finds empty cages. Oracle, like, tells them stuff. And Dick finds a bunch of asthma demons, but he doesn't beat any of them. He just sort of fights them. That That's what I think really frustrated me most about this issue, is it felt like actually nothing happened. And for a once-a-month well, book, that's lame. Because nothing did happen. Yeah. Other than that's the kind of thing you can kind of get away with when you're writing a twice-a-month book. Like, if you look at a lot of James Tynan's issues of Detective Comics... He wouldn't move the story forward that fast because it was coming so quickly. So he spent a little more time on, um, like world building and character building and all that stuff. But when it's once a month, I think you need to move more. I think you need to think about it and giving people a chunk of story that feels like you got a month's worth of story. Or you dump the backup story and you just make it one Mm -hmm. big. Well, I didn't like it when they did that in Action Comics 1050. I thought that was actually really a bad idea. But But, I mean, if you're going to build a world I care about, I'm willing to sacrifice the page count or give you more page count. But I don't care about these people. I don't care about their world. (sighs) Yeah, the people who seem to be having most fun are the people we care nothing about. I don't enjoy the story. I just, I don't. And, And maybe, you know, Pulling a Steph and doing a a sit down read through will help the palate enjoy it better. But I just I I can't I have no interest. It's just it is too much of a task yeah. to get through these pages, and the back backup stories don't make it any better. I know Ian was excited to know that Cy Spirit was no longer doing the backup, but and I know we still got to get to the backup, but the backup didn't make it any better. I do like the backup yeah. better because it's I like short. the backup a ton better, but that's that's partly because last last issue of Detective Comics, I wanted to rip the backup into small, tiny pieces because I was so mad at it. I can't remember even what happened again, which goes to show how much I am not liking the book. When I can't remember what happened in the most recent issue, that's the problem. Well, and that's that's the other thing is, even though I feel like I could probably tell you what happened. I mean, mostly it was Talia tells Bruce more stories. Um, but you had a reason because you hated it so much. No, I write the reviews. And that um, too. I. I would no. I hated the backup. I actually liked the main story. Okay, um, the backup is what I was so angry about. Yeah, that's um, what I meant. But I, I really think that pacing needs to be picked up. And I understand we're in the middle arc. We're supposed to be, and and this issue is called the fall. So obviously Batman's going to lose. Um, and my my guess is since next issue is going to be the last issue before Night Terrors, he's going to like end really badly broken but like does it take that does it have to take this long to get there because it feels like this 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 investigation has gone so slowly and i i felt some hope two issues ago when bruce was telling oracle okay we've got to get our investigation together we're going to make our plans 
And then last month, Bruce was like, no, we're going to fight him now. We're going to do it. It was like, you're going in half cocked. And then, as we expect, when someone goes in half cocked, he fails and falls on his face. But do we need three issues of him falling on his face? You know? Yeah. That feels excessive. I feel like you could... And I, I just feel like I'm not getting enough stuff. Like, if you get enough stuff in the story that I'm enjoying what's happening, and I'm not hating what's happening. Like, I kind of like what's going on with Cass and Dick and, and Babs, and I kind of like what's happening with Montoya and um, Jim. But it's not enough. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I want it to click together just a bit more. Oh, and the boy. I like the boy. Or... Sorrow. Yeah, and the boys completely disappeared. Yeah, I like Sorrow. I like Two Face. I like. There's a lot of things oh, I liked about the story. They're just taking them all away. Was it the, was it the last part of the free story? That was the backup yeah, last issue. That was the last time we saw him. Yeah. Okay. Come back, Nero. We okay. need you. All right. We... Yeah. So, so to answer gonna... your question, wait, wait. So to answer your question, no, it doesn't feel like. It's the first issue. Doesn't feel like it's the second issue. I don't know what it feels like either. To quote, death. the eternal metal. It's just, it's just there right now. When it comes to detective comics, everything is just there, and I don't know if if it's a pacing issue or a story issue. I just i I don't have an interest in the organs or. Anything, I hate the idea of how he seems to have rewritten Roz's past again. I just, I don't, I don't have an interest. I don't like the idea that Cass has a full vocabulary, but that goes beyond just detective. That also goes into Batgirls and everything that I've loved about Cassandra Kane. I just, but it's just so task-worthy to get through this title that it's it's so unfortunate how ever sorry it's just it's 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 just so unfortunate to get through this issue although i do love yvonne reese's art i cannot express that enough i loved i did like the art a lot in this issue the art was great Insert my perpetual rant that I don't understand why DC can't get an artist who can do a monthly book on Detective Comics. Hmm. Okay. Um, anything particularly stand... Well, okay, let's talk a little bit about that uh, Jim Gordon and Montoya scene. Does this feel at all consistent with where Montoya was at the end of Blue Wall? No. And even within the issue, because she's this all blue, blah, vigilantes, blah, Batman. And then she's looking at her costume, her question costume in her desk. Yeah. And, and, and Jim, calls her, Jim calls her out on it, too, doesn't she? Doesn't he? I thought because Jim was pretty good. I, yeah. I was just like, I was surprised that Montoya would stoop so low and hit him with... Well, you failed because you relied on Batman. Right. And I'm like, what? That's not the Montoya. Was that something that you felt 
developed in Blue Wall? No. Like, was Montoya getting really hardcore anti-vigilante in Blue Wall? There was hardly any vigilante. There was no vigilanteism. There was no Blue vigilante. Wall. I mean, the closest we got to vigilante was her pulling up, open her desk drawer. Right. So this just feels out of nowhere. And that's one of the nasty things, because I, I love so much about No Man's Land. And one of the things I love is how Gordon, just before No Man's Land, went to other police departments to see if they would hire him. And they all laughed in his face because they said he's a joke who relies on Batman. And he told Montoya this. He told them, he told all the police who chose to stay with him in No Man's Land this. And then for her to turn around and throw that in his face just felt, it doesn't feel like Montoya. And it, it feels like it comes out of nowhere to me. That's just so weird. Uh, I mean, I, again, I, we don't, we don't, we don't know. There's definitely some off paneling going oh, on yeah. here between what happened at the end of Blue Wall and 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 here because you know we see again what's his name is is back on the force. It seems Brooks. Uh, yeah, as as one of her. No, no, not Brooks. Brooks uh, is the Batgirl guy. Who's who's the probation uh, officer? Wells. Uh, Wells. Yeah, and he's no. I'm, I'm assuming he's no longer a probation officer. He's in some other type of. Yeah, because they say that in one of the other issues that he's in some other. Yeah, type and Batgirls. They say that Wells is not a probation anymore. Yeah, it's just. I don't. Well, it was in one of these issues also when she was looking at his profile. Oh yeah, they did mention that. But. So Part something. Part of me appreciates that there is that cross-pollination of characters. I just wish there would be consistency of characterization, yeah. you know? And, 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 and at least some connection or some story that let us know what happened. You know, because as far as we know from Blue Wall, he walked away through GCPD and next <laughs> thing you know now, he's he's buddy-buddy with Montoya. Yeah. And, you know, and but he was one of my favorite characters in that. I thought he was a cool character. I'm glad that he's staying around. I just wish that they would be consistent and make it make sense. Well, I thought all three characters in Blue Wall were good characters for what they were written to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I still didn't like the other two very much. Well, that, that doesn't mean that they're bad. I just they didn't connect with me. Well, they, they each had a, a part to play. He. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She had she had to be the sacrificial lamb. She had to be the sacrificial lamb for Freezing, and she had to be, you know, the example. And you know, he had to be the, um, not the probation officer, but Danny had to be the the one who broke. You know, who the one that everybody was so sure about, but who ended up. Being broken, murdering Renee's. Oh, I'm still angry about that. Ah, so uh, Ridley. I hope he doesn't come back. I was enough damage. I was so afraid that he was going to kill the dog. That would have really. I mean, killing killing the brother and the fiance is bad enough as it is. Killing the innocent bystanders by tying them up in the truck and having the cops, but. As an animal lover, I might have gone full PETA on 
when John Ridley had that happen. But anyway, um, back to the original question about Matoya. No, I, I'm, and I understand it's different writers, you know, between Reed, Ridley and and Ron V. But yeah, she totally went bitch mode on Jim, and it really wasn't necessary. I feel like those are. Those are really the points that stick out to me from this issue. Anything else stick out to you that you want to discuss before we move to the backup? Why Kev have so much of a vocabulary? I just need her to talk with her actions. That's it. Just show up. I mean, like when she snuck up on the two guys and he was like, don't you hear it? Don't you hear it? And next thing you know, they're both down. Bam. Just very few words. If you like, want a daddy you know, Batgirl, there is one that exists right now. What? Wait, say it again? If you want a chatty Batgirl, there's one that exists right now that you could use. There's technically two, but there's really one. And she is very chatty. Oh, I know who you're saying. I'm being salty because I don't think Ram V should leave Steph out. You ought to send him a message about that. I don't think that would work. I got your back. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's move on to our backup. This is written by Dan Waters and art by Stefano Raphael. Things That Must Die, Part 1. Looking at the finger and eyeball of her husband, Queen Orgum smiles diabolically and then tells her son his father was murdered. But not that she ordered it. <laughs> Prince Arzen mourns and tries his best to train with his teacher, Asim, and also to save the dying Gaea fruit tree. The boy does everything he can to save the tree, but as Asim tries to persuade him to let the tree and his father go, assassins from Razagul attack and slaughter Asim, turning to the boy next. So, in contrast to the really glacial pace of the last two main stories, this moves right along. It takes place over several weeks, and a lot of stuff happens. And it's a brand new writer for our backups. What do you guys think? I liked it. I thought it was an engaging story. Again, I mean, I don't care about these characters at all, but this story at least had me had me reading. I was interested in where it was going. The boy has a weird obsession, which, I mean, all this can be paralleled to mourning and loss and grief and blah, blah, blah. And Batman. And insanity. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I re- And the, the colors were such a nice, bright <laughs> contrast to the rest of the story. Um, I know. I, 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 I definitely enjoyed reading the backup more than the rest of the issue. One, because it was short. But two, it was, it was, a, it was an engaging read. I liked it. I, I like Dan Waters, so I'm happy about this. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, choose to pick this up off the shelf and read it, but being made to read it, I enjoyed it. Since I had a gun to my head, <laughs> it, was re- it was really fun. I don't know. I will, be, I will be the minority in this and say that I did not enjoy it. Only because I think I have an idea of where it's going and I don't care for it. Oh, tell me, tell me. I don't really know. Oh, I, I really think this is going to tell the story of how Ozen becomes the evil kid that his mom wants him to be. 
Ah, it's such a corruption story. I think I think in the end we're gonna find out that, you know, yeah, these assassins are saying it's it's in the name of Raz Al Ghul, but I think she's gonna be behind it all as a way of grooming him to be the person she wants him to be. And well the person we see in the present tense who's beaten down Batman. Yeah, and I'm just not. I think you're right. I think that's a good analysis of where this is going. Um, I I think that it's neat because it's clearly Dan Waters and Ram V are talking because this picks up right up where, you know, the backstory, the flashback in last issue left off. So again, it feels like the backups and the main story are kind of like a tapestry weaving together. And I, I like that even as I'm struggling with the story itself. That's an interesting point. Like, I could see these assassins being from Queen Orgum, but I could also see them kidnapping the kid and then Raz, like, trying to brainwash him. And then he gets rescued by Queen Orgum and, like, he just gets so twisted by the conflict between the two. But what do you think about that suggestion? I mean, it's hard to tell because we don't know this Raz. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Wonky Roz is what I call him because he's not—he's not even like his own dude. He's second lieutenant dude. I wouldn't be surprised to find out the mom is behind it because she—she didn't like even in the last time you see her, she's not liking the bodyguard. That's true. She does that thing where she's like, "Um, you do presume too much." Mm-hmm. I like my story better. Well, you came up with it. I hope you do. <laughs> All right. So, out of five, hmm, out of five uprooted trees, <laughs> what do you give Detective Comics number 1072? Two. I mean, I like the art, but the story just isn't going anywhere. And the backup is interesting but one as far as i can tell at this moment it's not adding to the story and two it's taking up space that they could have moved the story forward i will give ian his mode and go with a two again this this is just such a task to read these days and it's so disheartening i'm still on the three it's still much more readable to me uh and the backup did give me a big ups Partly because of the relief of not being Spurrier. Um, that gives us an average of 2.33, and as Theo says, a mode of two. Yeah. Whether you are a first time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13 year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to TBU at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TBU Bat Family and let us know what you think. All right, let's move on to Greater Gotham.
starting with Batgirl's number 18, penultimate episode. Um, issue. Um, I said thumbs up. I'm liking the art better. Story's not as irritating. I think I'm still confused. It was one of the first books I read for this bout, so I don't remember everything, but thumbs up. I am going to give it a neutral. I said I was going to read the last two to send this thing off into the sunset just to see how it ends. And uh, these villains are just dumb. Uh, thumbs up for me. I really, I really liked the construction of this issue. I wrote about it in my review for the site. Is this still Rodriguez on art? Mm-hmm. Okay. Catwoman number fifty-five. Uh, uh, thumbs down. <laughs> it seems long. It. it seemed really long, but maybe that's. <laughs> it's agonizingly long because everyone is stupid, and so it takes forever. Thumbs down. I would say that one of these days I'm going to read it and uh, sit down to read through, but um, that will be on one of those days when I'm just looking for some hellified pain to go through. Yeah. Feeling too good. So you got to balance it out, apparently. It will be, it w- I will read it when I'm in the mood to feel like I'm reading Blue Wall. How about that? Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did enjoy Blue Wall. Batman Superman, World's Finest, number 15. Neutral. The story was a bit all over the place. I would I would sell my left eye to read Dan Mora books. So I will carry on with this, even if it becomes a thumbs down, because Dan Mora makes it worth it. But neutral. Well, Dan Mora is leaving for Shazam. Then I will keep my left eye and <laughs> maybe stop reading the book. <laughs> Abstain. I, I I honestly thought this book was going to end once Lazarus Planet was over with. Nope. Still going. Uh, and I also abstain. Uh, Titans, number one. I skimmed it, but neutral, and I think I know what Ian's rating is going to be. <laughs> and, 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 and I will beat him to it. Thumbs down. It- <laughs> It's a bleep ready step. Thumbs all the way the f- down. Oh. I just how many times, how many times in a year are you all gonna kill Wally? What's the f- purpose of having to kill Wally? Wally has been killed at least four times since Rebirth. When he came back from being killed. You wanna kill him four more times since I do not get it. And and this is an entirely different voice in Titans from Tom Taylor that we're getting in Nightwing. It, it's, it's like a completely different writer. Maybe his name is on it and somebody else is just ghostwriting for him with his name because I I don't I don't know these characters. And it's just stupid that they and yes, we know Wally's gonna come back, but it's stupid that he has to get killed. Uh, he just came back a month ago. A month ago. And you want to kill him again. This time with gunshots. It's just stupid beyond reason. I'm sorry. Your turn. Yeah. You combine uh, Tom Taylor writing with Teen Titans or Titans, uh, which I hate as concept. And it's a huge thumbs down. I did like the Nicholas Scott artwork. It did look like a really good book. 
but it's just stupid. Say it. Nothing happens and everyone acts dumb. Except, of course, for Wally dying, which is like even dumber. And it's going to take me this much time to die, but I'm going to do all of this stuff and say all of my goodbyes and all my love yous before I do so. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Dumb. Dumb. And I say this as a Tom Taylor fan, this issue is dumb. Dawn of DC Primer. This was a free comic book day book. Actually, no, it wasn't. It's a free book, but it came out a bit later than free comic book day. Yeah, it came out on, on DC's regular release day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I skimmed through it and couldn't find any hook to get me to read it. I will say it for you then, Steph. Thumbs down. This is also <laughs> stupid. And Amanda Waller, I don't know how this woman keeps a job at DC. She could have been killed off. She could she could be killed off a million times over, and I would not shed a tear. There's so many. Hell, put Two-Face in charge of Suicide Squad, Task Force Z, whoever, and it is a much be- better character. Just stupid. Thumbs down. Yeah, the problem with the way they write Amanda Waller is that they're they keep throwing her against superheroes. You you have to give Amanda Waller wins, otherwise you don't understand why she still has a job. And whenever you throw her against the hero, she loses, and so she looks like a moron. This is actually a problem in both of the Suicide Squad movies they have made. Is they make Amanda Waller look dumb, which is unfortunate because she's a really cool character. In my opinion, I really like Amanda Waller. And I really like Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, even though I kind of wish it was CCH Pounder. Um, oh, gosh, she would have been awesome. But like acting-wise, Viola Davis is perfect. But plot-wise, they just keep making her make dumb choices. Um, so the this was just- a neutral for me. I mean, I what? didn't pay anything for it, so... Uh, oh, so, so that kind of helps out with the score. Yeah. It was, a terrible also, story. It, was, it was a terrible story, but it was free. Okay, that's a watch. Well, I also, so this is a funny story. So everyone remembers that Steph hates Mr. Teeth from way back in the beginning of James Tynan's run on Batman. And I thought for all this story that it was Mr. Teeth who was hanging out with Peacemaker and this other Peace whatever character. Um, and I thought, so I thought, Mr. Teeth is back. But it was actually a different character from the same run, and I don't remember his name, but he dies, and so that was funny to me. But that's why it's in neutral, because they used a character from James Tynan's run, and that makes me smile. That's the only reason why you gave it a neutral? And it was free. And it was free. Got it. Um, Nightwing, number 104. Thumbs up? I think? I feel like I was interrupted while I read it, so maybe it was a misguided thumbs up, but I'm just glad this weird hell arc is over. It is a neutral for me. It, it, I'm probably trending up because, like Steph, I'm happy this whole neuron story, super dick. God, that didn't sound right. Um, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. You keep saying these things when I have a mouthful of water. Sorry, <laughs> <right>, Steph. <laughs> Um, God, I don't even know. Pop, oh, okay. So Grayson with the extra powers. That that sounds much more correct and <laughs> family friendly. But I'm just happy all of that is over. And 
everybody gets to go home. But yeah, it it it, it wasn't it wasn't a great issue. So here's my problem with the way Tom Taylor wrote this book. And I actually did read it. And I feel like I need to go back to not reading it because I keep saying the same thing over and over and everyone knows what I'm going to say. There is no struggle, especially when you give Nightwing superpowers. All he has to do is punch the bad guy. Mm. Or his friend comes in and punches the bad guy. It's not a serious fight. It's not a difficult fight. He doesn't have to pull any cleverness or any special athletic ability. He just punches the bad guy. And that's how it wins. Or if it's a superpower bad guy, one of his Titans friend comes in with superpowers and punches the bad guy. That's not a struggle. That's as equivalent of like a story about a character who has invulnerability and super strength and just walks around like tapping people, but because he has super strength that like knocks him out. Like I am not saying that you can't write a good story about Superman. Obviously you can. Both action comics and Superman currently are very excellent stories. They're using difficult situations that are plotted carefully to make Superman have, uh, you know, he, he can't just punch everything. He has to think his way through problems. This comic is structured in such a way that you just punch the bad guy and that's it. There's no cleverness. There's no struggle. And so it's a, it's a big thumbs down for me. Again, art was, was great. Not hating on the art, but... Structure of the story, very poor. And the backup story wasn't great either. Oh, yeah. And why is there a backup backup story? Because I felt like I had baby John back. It did not look like baby John to me. It didn't look like like baby John, but he had the innocence of baby John, and I loved that. The story I couldn't care less about, but I loved John. All right. DC Ruby number four. Um, thumbs down, and I'm gonna drop it so we can drop it from the lineup. It all the charm of this of Ruby comes from the relationships and the chatting and the talking and the stuff that happens when they're not fighting Grim, when all they're doing is problem solving and fighting and figuring things out. It's not fun, it's not charming. The delightfulness of the characters is completely lost. But didn't we kind of expect that? Didn't you kind of expect that? Well, I feel like the other one where the Justice League is younger, like there was more banter. There was more talking. I didn't read too much of that one because it was also not very interesting. But I don't know. I feel like there's just there's just I feel like DC doesn't tell good stories anymore. It's like. I think one of the reasons I like Nightwing where I totally agree with your assessment of storytelling in Nightwing. I like the he makes room for the character beats and the relationship developing. I like that. But yes, there has to be good storytelling, good adventures, good good plots, whatever. And but Ruby is sacrificing the characters for the plot and it's not a very interesting plot. Yeah, you you do have to have a balance. I mean, my problem with Future State Gotham was it was all plot and the characters were absolutely interchangeable and pointless. I can't say anything bad about that book. I love that book. That book was so bad. (laughs) I don't understand. So terrible. It was awesome. So terrible. It was amazing. All right. Speaking of books that are so terrible, Tim Drake Robin number nine. Oh. No, I said neutral. 
because the art is better than it has been. The art is great. Doesn't make it a good book. And Bernard was psycho. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe thumbs down. Yeah. I, I, I like Batgirls. I I only want to see how it comes crashing to an end. And I I'm currently seeking legal counsel on whether or not I can sue DC for my time back. <laughs> thumbs down. Uh. This book is a classic example of what I call Marvel's hero versus hero mentality, where two heroes are bumping into each other, making the absolute dumbest possible choices so that they fight. I hate that plotting, and I'm tired of it. Thumbs all the way down. DC Pride number 2023. There's about three or four stories that have some connection to Batman or the Batman universe in it. I think there's four. I think I counted three before because I forgot about the Batwoman story. Um, thumbs down. These aren't good stories. <laughs> They're barely stories. I'm not knocking the pride. I am not knocking the message they want to get out. They're not. The point I think of a comic is to tell a story, beginning, middle, end, with pictures and words, or just pictures, as is done. And this is just talking heads. <laughs> I don't know. And it's just, it's not interesting. Like many of the other comics, I just did not find it interesting. And and it's a dun- thumbs down for me, but for me, it seemed like in some of the stories, they just tried too hard mm. to try to get to a particular point of of pride that I just didn't think was needed. And I mean, the the Midnighter Apollo story. Midnight and Apollo should never be in the book that a that a kid can pick up, <laughs> and you get a sense of that at the end of this story. And I don't know if this if this title what is this title rated for for teens? Yeah, I think it's a teen. But but I mean, is that something you want your child picking up and reading as a teenager? I, sometimes they just I don't know, and. And then there was Ghostmaker. Yeah, and oh, there was the Ghostmaker story. No, that's right. It was the Ghostmaker mm-hmm. story. Yeah, no, no. Um, Apollo and and Midnight had just kissed. So no, that wasn't it. No, oh, it was I the Ghost. Maybe their dialogue was super racy because I didn't read that one. But the art well, on the Apollo and the Midnighter one was really nice. It's it, well, Apollo and Midnight are always racy. But no, it <laughs> it was it was that it was it was that scene with with Ghostmaker okay. and whoever in it. Yeah, that was just. I just again, dare you. That's Catman, the great secret sex leader. Okay, but for a book rated for teen, would you want your young teenager seeing that? And I know I wouldn't want my thirteen-year-old, my fourteen-year-old seeing that. And so, I mean, I would, I would say like a sixteen, seventeen-year-old would probably be okay. Yeah, but again, it's not rated for sixteen, seventeen-year-olds. It's rated for teen. Um, and again, the art wasn't great. Some of the stories just didn't make any sense. Um, I don't know much because I haven't read. Um, I keep thinking of, I haven't read uh, 
what's the story? Not 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 the vigil, the other one. Soul World. I haven't read Soul World. Oh, Spirit so World. Wait, I thought you did. Spirit, Spirit Spirit World. Thank you. I thought you read it last week, and you we had this whole conversation about how you liked it okay, and I hated it. I read it, other than the cast part. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how I read that. Fair, fair. <laughs> other than cast disappearing, but. I also got the sense that she was flirting with Kate, and I'm like, aren't you kind of close? I don't Kate? understand how old this character is supposed to be. That kind of weirds me out, because Kate's like late 20s, early 30s, and I thought that this character was like teenage. Kate is, Kate is more closer to her cousin's age than not. Right. She's maybe a couple years younger than Bruce. Yep. And here it is. This Again, I'm assuming, again, this person is probably, and I can't pronounce her name because it's so weird. I've heard but, it a couple other ways. I say Xanthi. You say Xanthi? That's how I pronounce the two. So yeah, we'll agree on that. So that's what we'll say from now on. <laughs> um, but she seems way, I thought she was way younger than that. And Well, to be fair, Xanthi is non-binary, so we should be saying they. Like, that's the whole point of Xanthi's character is that they're non-binary. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying because this is a pride issue and that's like no, no, a huge no, thing. Un, no, understood. No, I'm, I'm just, the whole the whole idea of them flirting with Kate, because there were definitely parts where they actually seemed like that was that's what they were doing. No, I agree. I think that was and, writing. And it just again, just didn't feel right. It feels weird because I always thought that Anthony was the same age as Cass. And like, no. No. Yeah. Totally agree. Again, this is like the Bruce Babs thing. So it's like, mm, I don't want it. Yeah, it, like, like I said, like I said, it just seems like DC tried too hard for some reason, and it just didn't. Well, I know why. The reason is they think that this will get them lots of sales. Um, but I feel like this is, this is pandering in a bad way. So I think, well, just to get it out of the way, thumbs down. I thought all the stories were very poorly written. And I think that this does their cause a disservice. If they want to make a cause that is, you know, supporting the, the gay characters and like having representation, they should do it well. This is embarrassing. If you are a character, if you're a person, if you're a reader, who wants to identify with these characters, these are stereotypical, they're shallow, they're just very poorly done stories about these characters. And I would think that that would do more damage to, uh, you know, cause the idea of getting representation out there, because it, it perpetuates these negative and shallow stereotypes. And that's just stupid. That's why I think it's bad corporate pandering. He hasn't even mentioned the Tim story, how much. He- and then we get to the Tim story. So let me say, I was really mad because I think that I really like Secret Six by Gail Simone. And I really like Thomas Blake. Uh, I want to say his name is Blake. Catman. I think he's a really cool character. And I like Ghostmaker, too. But they were so bad in that story. That was really, really bad writing. Um, And then... Uh, I don't even remember the other stories that I read. I read the whole thing, but I I don't remember. But probably because I got so mad that it just wiped everything from my memory. 
the Tim Drake and Connor Hawk story, in addition to being, as I said, stereotypical and shallow, it had Tim say that, oh, I feel like I was identified as Stephanie's boyfriend and I couldn't be around her because she was just part of my past. And I want to just rip this comic up and, and burn it because that is so disrespectful. You do not. Number one. It's been a consistent complaint, I think, by both Steph Cass and Tim Con shippers in the last five years to say Steph is just Tim's girlfriend. So this is like, number one, Tim was never thought of as Steph's boyfriend. So that is a, a false thing to be written. Number two, just saying, oh, I didn't feel like I wanted to be around Steph because she's just my past. Even in the terrible Tim Drake Pride special last year, Tim clearly cares about Steph and he he demonstrates that she is important to him in an ongoing cap capacity. He's not treating her like dirt or like she's part of a past that he doesn't want to return to and doesn't have any connection to anymore. This is trash. And Nadia Shamas, who wrote this book, is now on my permanent I do not like this writer list. So there's like really? four people on this list right now. And of course Dan Didio has the top spot. But Edie Howard, Megan Fitzmartin, and now Nadia Shamas are permanently on this list. I, I will try things because I do this podcast, but they, they have burned themselves in my vision, and I do not accept it at all. I was really waiting for Ian to say, bitch, please. I can't believe you would say that about my friend Steph. He's been really upset. Now, Steph and I are kind of on the same page we don't think it was as much of a slight to Steph as it was to Tim but I definitely understand where Ian is coming from it's just well my rea my reaction is just because I love Steph so much I do agree that overall this story just paints Tim as a shallow uh jerk like that that's a much bigger deal in terms of Tim's characterization, but like me being me, that's what I'm mostly going to react to. Uh, Tim did get no love. I don't know. And Connor, don't know. Connor was such a jerk. Like I actually kind of like Connor's story last time, where he was explaining asexuality. I thought that was actually reasonably well written. This story treats him like trash. It's like I don't want to talk to all. Oh, he's not going to understand me. I don't. It's like what is this? The Connor I remember right now. I haven't read a ton of Connor back in the day in the nineties, but he was like a thoughtful. He was a monk. He was hardworking. Like he had a lot of empathy. Like this is not that Connor. And this is it, just wasn't that who he was writing the letter to last year? Well, I don't. Or was he? Getting I think they kind of generic it up. I don't think they actually said who he's writing. I think maybe they implied. I assume, I assume no. that he was writing it to Ollie. Not saying that there was anything that that pointed to him writing it to, to Ollie, but I just assumed, considering the story, that that's who he was writing it to. Yeah, because he talked to Damien about it, but I feel like they never revealed it. And I think that's also stupid. They should just have him write to Ollie. I mean, Ollie would be totally okay with it. I, I think he would. I don't know. Just stupid. Yeah. But, but I, and, and, and again, I am not the biggest Tim Drake fan of the bunch. You know, everyone knows Damien's my favorite Robin. And, um, but 
Oh man, he's been getting. He's. I know Thanos. I feel the same way. He's <laughs> been getting. Knows. Yeah, the cat even knows. He's been. He's been getting rough shot at the past few years, and I just don't. I just don't understand it. I just don't. And I don't know. I. It, it's just. It's weird and it's unfortunate and it's political pandering that has really gone flop in DC's face, in my opinion, because I constantly see the backlash in social media about just how terrible Tim Drake is these days as a story, not a character. Uh, And we kind of see it from the fact that the book is being canceled after 10 issues, only 10 issues. Um, And I just, I don't get DC's thinking as to why they do things certain ways. It's like they, they have to put their foots up their proverbial butts and in their mouths for some reason, at least a few times a year to just, piss off fans just to see the reaction and it's 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 not cool well what really really irritates me is that this is like the one place a year where fans of these characters get to see them and it's a bunch of non-stories like i like kate kane batwoman now okay kate kane did show up in tim drake but she was horribly written she's like a moron constantly going around like trying to torture teen boys for no good reason so, like, that's not a good appearance for one of the characters I really like. And if I wanted to see her in this book, like, she's doing more Talking Heads nonsense in this. If I were a fan of Connor Hawk, like, obviously Connor Hawk's going to be in the Green Arrow book, but that book has, like, seven main characters in it. So he's fighting for space. And instead of, like, a cool story where he shoots arrows and is cool, he's, like, moving boxes and complaining about back pain. Like... I want these characters to be used in books that have good stories that aren't 10 page shallow talking heads. Like stop doing these pride specials and put your characters in books. Like I think two years ago they did the, the, the crush and Lobo story. That's the way you got to do it. Like I, I personally think you shouldn't brand it pride. I understand that like they're trying to make money with that. But, like, just have these characters be used prominently in books. That's the way to get representation. Don't just have them show up once a year in terrible stories. And, and, I mean, we also get the covers. I mean, I like covers. And the covers are wonderful. It's it's a great way to, to represent pride. But that's not a story. Especially in how they do it. I'm I'm not saying I'm not talking about the the, the story, but I'm just saying if. Instead of. As you mentioned earlier, of. Just. Basically. Creating stereotypical books. That just seem shallow and, 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 and in many ways more insulting than it is in honoring pride. Just 
quit it. Do you do your covers, which again have always been well received. And use your characters on a regular basis. You want to show representation and celebration of representation. Use the characters that you have in the books that you publish. We shouldn't have to wait. We shouldn't have to wait a year to one time a year, one month to get one anthology with some terribly written, written stories. Use these characters in books on a regular basis. And again, just give us good stories. Give us good stories for who they are. Give us a great Renee Montoya story. As as dark as as dark as Blue Wall was, it was a really good Renee Montoya story with all the things that she was dealing with. Do stuff like that, but to try to pander with a stereotype is is a disservice. It really is. And then you do terrible art with it, so. Okay, and let's move on to our last title, Batman, The Brave and the Bold, number one, also known as Zombie Urban Legends. No, it is not known as Zombie Urban Legends, Urban Legends 2.0. I like Zombie Urban Legends because I, I have no, I am not a zombie I'm fan. zombie because it's racist. Well, that's the point because I hate zombies. It was okay. The so it's again is four stories, one short, uh, two short, two long, and it's eight bucks. The Tom King one was the Tom King one. It really was. It was the Tom Kingest of Tom King stories. The Storm one, I don't know, that one kind of, I kind of like that one. It's a weird collection of people. It's kind of like, what's it called? That St- Suicide Squad Light. The Superman story was so boring. <laughs> oh, the Superman story was so boring. And then Heroes of Tomorrow, what was that? Oh my gosh, what was that? I loved it. <laughs> I felt like I had my I felt like I had I had what's the book y'all hate that I love? Gotham Future State Gotham. It's Future State Gotham all over again by Dan Mora. It was wonderful. With baby Dick and baby Jason. That's the Dan Mora story, right? Yes, that's the Dan Mora story. Yeah. Uh, but overall, thumbs up and thumbs down. I really like the Dan Mora story. <laughs> I will say neutral. Hey. I have bought I have bought whole books like whole ten dollar books for ten page stories. So there's no judgment here if you give it a thumbs up. Love Dan Mora. The Tom King story was fine. It was just very Tom King. It's extremely Tom King. Watch was fine. It was no one I cared about in it, but it it had me most interested. And then Superman story was so boring. Had nice art though. Had lovely art. It was so boring. In fact, the story is about how Clark is boring. <laughs> I don't yep. like that. I would, I, I would, I that I'm happy you said it before I did. Oh, that's true. The story is about. Yeah, I don't like that. And then he's like, "What if I have Superman help me write an article?" And Lois is like, "Oh, that can be interesting." <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't like that. Theo, what do you think of this guy? Urban Legends, it- the zombie edition. Urban Legends 2.0 is a neutral for me, uh, only because it's the first issue. But I'm 
not excited about the Urban Legends vibe, and I I could easily see this this book going the way of its predecessor. So this is also a neutral for me. Um, the Tom King one is not bad, but this I don't understand why they don't they didn't just do a four issue Tom King miniseries. The Dan Morris story is fun, uh, zany, um, but it's I don't know. It didn't really touch me. I loved uh, I love Dan Morris art, but the writing. I mean, I'm glad he's trying new stuff, but it didn't quite touch me. Um, baby I've been liking Jake and Baby Jason didn't grip your soul and dark heart. <laughs> what character will will get my soul is dark heart, Steph? Stephanie. That's correct. <laughs> um, actually, I really like Ravager in the Stormwatch book. Oh, yeah, she was good. Um, I felt that it was a little. It's not that big. It's not that long a story, but it felt a bit flabby. I like this kind of story. It always reminds me of Checkmate by Greg Rucka, but. It it doesn't have the elegance. Like Rucka has a real elegance in storytelling. He knows how to tell stories. Brisson knows how to tell some stories. I'm not sure he knows quite how to tell this story, this kind of story yet. And so it felt flabby, even though it was short. Um, and then Superman story. I'm just like, I really like the art, but I did not. I did not like this story. No. Okay, so, so I got it. it's a neutral. I got. I got X. The Tom King story. Yeah. Do y'all think Joe could kill a girl? Well, she killed his, her dad yeah. in front I know of you her. Killed the dad. I know you killed the dad. I mean, I know the ultimate joke was the fact that the girl let the balloon go after she said she wouldn't. But the question becomes why? It's because she was just scared to death as far as seeing her dad wow. dead. But did she really know she was, he was dead? Because all she said, well, why is my dad turning red? And so I wouldn't be surprised if he killed her after she let go of the balloon to pay her back for breaking her promise. Yeah, I I ultimately think she's I I ultimately think she's a goner too. I don't know. Tom King would do that. I'm not I'm not sure what I think is gonna happen in this story, but I know that Tom King has done that kind of thing in the past. But he has also saved the girls. So sometimes he kills them and sometimes he saves them. And I can never tell which. Also, there was the line in there where he says, I also have a knife, but you can't have that yet. That was a good line. Yeah, kind of. I guess, you know, I took it as foretelling. Yeah. Yeah. So I think she might be gone, too. Or she might become a killer herself. Hmm. Nothing good is going to happen in a Joker story, man. Nothing good. Nothing good in a Tom King story, Joker story. <laughs> hey, good things happen in Tom King stories sometimes. Okay, Joker yeah. stories. They said the same thing about Batman, Batman 50. Uh, we don't know how that ended. That was Didio's. Okay. Didio. So that brings us to the end of Greater Gotham and the end of our episode. So I will read our support list. Thank you, all our patrons. So thank you to Lisa Slack, Donovan Morgan Grant, Austin Davis, Ian Miller, Stettens Grave, Johnny McCloskey, Carol Green, Donald Townsend, Cesar Diaz, Joshua Lappenbertoni, Ed Grouse, Jessica Morales, Rob O, Captain America, 
David Richards, Tim Karassi, Mary Garrett, Robert Lewis, and Stephanie Mounts. Thank you all for supporting us on Patreon and helping us to keep our servers on the air. With that being said, that's it for this month, and we will see you next time. This is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. Thanks for listening. Thank you.